Damn it! I was tr- I was trying I was trying to do it whilst you were still deciding. But instead, the the video on both of us just sort of cut out, and it looks like more conspicuous than it usually does. Yeah. See, it normally does that, and I keep forgetting that it does that. And I was trying to do it more smoothly. Yeah. But it didn't didn't work. Uh, well, um, we can tell them what we were talking about. We were just talking about whether we'd sleep on a mattress on a floor or not. Yeah. Like, not just, like, for staying over someone's house, but, like, would we buy a house in which our room didn't have a bed frame? was basically the discussion. Yes. It's not that interesting of a discussion, really, is it? No. It's a bit of a non-discussion, because I think, generally speaking, the answer is, nah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'd, I'd like a bed frame, please. They they exist for a reason. Mm. Plus, what what do you keep under your bed then? Oh, nothing. There you go. That's that's a deal breaker right there. What's the storage? I can't. Can't like. Actually, that's a good point because what I have underneath my bed is my um, like my suitcase. Hmm. Yeah. That's so. I wheel that out from under the bed, and dump all my clothes in there, and then that's uh, then that's me ready to hop off to wherever I'm off next. Home, Mormonstown. Yeah, yeah. Home. Where, where would where would you put your um, suitcase if you if you didn't have that storage under your bed? Well, it it would depend on the rest of the room and how big the rest of the room is, because if I've got like a wardrobe, like the one behind me, I could stand it up straight in there. And mm. that would be fine. So I could do that. Yeah. I mean, usually when I'm at home, I I keep another bed under my bed because it's, it's layered like that. Because it's whereas, a bunk. Yeah. <laughs> whereas <laughs> at uni, I keep pillows under my bed because I don't see the point in having more than one pillow on a single bed. And Jay, I'm looking at your bed right now i'm not in jay's room or anything we're doing this over cool like we usually do but i'm looking at (laughs) well done seth that was really really well done and (laughs) on jay's bed is is a double bed and he's just got two pillows which is perfect i'd say wrong i have three Uh, where's the other one (laughs) what was that noise your voice just made (laughs) (laughs) so i've got on my left-hand side, which will be your right, right. Just I'm just trying to figure it out. <laughs> you know, so that one, that is just the one. And on on the left-hand side, my right-hand side is a is another one with a with a different one underneath that has a different structure. So I can't put it on top because it doesn't really support my head properly. But um. I prefer to sleep on that side because there is two pillows there. That's but I don't, have, I don't have a fourth pillow to balance it out on the other side, so it's just a bit shit. I don't, I don't think that's shit. I mean, I think that gives you scope, gives you variety. If you fancy a two-pillow night, you know, go to your right hand side of your bed. If you fancy a sort of one-pillow night, go to the left. I mean, yeah. That is that is sort of what it what it what it enables me to do. <sighs> Jesus Christ, what a boring conversation. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't one of our good ones really. No, not <laughs> what is one of our good ones? 
Um. <laughs> there must be some. I can't remember a single conversation we've had. We must have tripped over one by accident once. I don't know. If you're listening and you can remember a, a good conversation that we've ever had, write in, let us know. Yeah, and then we'll try to... We'll, we'll probably just have that conversation again because even that's better than... Yeah. What what we're doing at the moment. We have the same conversation every every single time we talk, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, in this podcast we do because it's, it's always what's the odd one out, isn't it? That's t- tends to be the general theme. Yeah, that... <laughs> That's sort of the concept of the podcast. Yeah. It does get a bit monotonous, actually. <sighs> a bit boring, you know, me going, oh, Jay, can I have some points? And Jay going, no, not unless you get the link or the theme or the odd one out. And me going, oh, what about for almost getting it? And, you know, it always ends the same way. Me not getting a point. What are you talking about? You normally win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I still, I'd still like to do better. Okay, well then maybe you should start listening to previous picks more because Ooh. that's something that neither of us ever do. Hey, I've started doing that. I thought you'd noticed. I've started doing it too. Well, f- then what's the point? In- I don't know. <laughs> it just shows that we've been paying attention to people. Yeah, I paid attention to Josh. Did you pay attention to Josh as well? I pay more attention to Josh than I pay to you. That's not difficult though. That, that just takes uh, sort I don't of minimum... pay much attention at all. Minimum amount of respect, which um, Josh lacks for me, really. Yeah. Should we move on? Yes. Shall we? Shall we actually just? Well, I mean, let's talk about. Do you past know what picks. you've not done? Um, made myself a cup of tea. I don't know. No. Hello, anyone listening? Welcome. There you go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to connecting vague dots. It feels like it's been a while, um, and I don't know why, but. Because it's been exactly a week since we've done a recording, and that's how it always is, and I don't know, been busy. We have been busy um, doing our other stuff, but we won't talk about that now, because I was just doing an introduction and I sidetracked myself. So yeah, um, Connecting Vague Dots with me, Seth Cox, and Master Jay Panels. Hi. Hello. So Jay, how, <laughs> how's your week been? I mean, we haven't actually talked about that yet. Uh, it's been alright, I suppose. We've got exams now. When does this go out? This goes out on Tuesday. So that means I will have had one exam by this point. I will have had an exam yesterday. And I will have been finished by this point. So... Ooh, bully for you. Got me a Snapchat. I'll have lots of spare time on my hands. I could do making some new friends. Not that my old friends are bad, Jay. But, um, you know, always welcoming. Thanks. <laughs> nice to know you too. Yeah. So no, none of us really have in, any interesting news from the week. Then been trying to revise, not been very good at it. I'm really bad at revising, and I think the reason is is because I only have the length of attention span that I need to revise for things I'm actually interested in. Well, that's not an issue with revising. That that's just an issue with you not being interested in in your course. Which um, is quite quite a big issue. I mean, yeah, that is also the, also the case. Some of it is interesting the first time around. <laughs> I think that's the thing. And then coming it to like the the third or fourth time around, you kind of go like, oh, really? More of this? A bit like Deadpool. 
I've never watched Deadpool more than... I don't think I've watched it all the way through twice. Because it's really not that much. There's not that much going on in it. No, there really isn't. You're like, you can you can pretty much get all that you need to get out of it. Like, maximum twice. Mm, and, I, and... I don't think you're going to get any more, like, jokes or good stuff out of it on a third watch. Yeah, I was going to... Well, it's, it's like, when you do something too often, then it doesn't work as well anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, if you're... Yeah, that's basically, yeah. If you do something too much, then sometimes you tire yourself out, meaning that you fall out of love with what you were doing in the first place. Like I've just fallen out of love with whatever point I was making to begin with. See, at the start of your sentence there, um, Skype cut out slightly. So I was playing (laughs) with the whole of that sentence. And Um... it really didn't help that you stopped halfway through (laughs) Does Skype often cut out? Is that are you or is it like a common thing for you to just be playing catch up and humouring me and not really following? No, no. Most of the time, it is just me naturally humouring you. Okay. Rather than the fact that Skype is a bit shit. Yeah, that's true. Um, do you want to do your bit now? So the concept of the podcast is that. Seth is taking his headphones off and walking away, presumably because he needs to pee. Now he's going to pee very loudly because he hasn't muted his microphone. Oh no, he's picked up a piece of paper. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk through the concept of the podcast now, which is that we are working on a odd one one out basis. I'm good at words. Anyway, so we pick four things from the spectrum of films possibly TV if we're really feeling like it, music and books sometimes plays if we run out of books to talk about and (laughs) we need (laughs) an odd one out with an underlying link for three of them and this has gone really badly, I'm just trying to talk and not stop talking so it is bad anyway, I'm going, going, going. going Seth is walking away again and now we have on an odd one out system. I'm trying again. Second take. Three things are have an underlying connection and one doesn't. And we need to find what the other one is. And we get points for revisiting things suggested by people on the call the previous week. So, Seth, have you listened or watched or read any of the things that were suggested last week? Um. So I went away from that for about two minutes, and in that two minutes, what happened? Because you seem to have had a breakdown. Is what happened. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, look. um, Did I revisit anything from the previous podcast? Yes, I did. Jay. Sorry, I just appeared to have thrown my pen everywhere. (laughs) Brilliant. I think this pen is broken. Um, do you want do you want some time to get a different pen? Brilliant. It's got a got a packet handy. Nice. I've gone insane. Yeah, I f- I think we both we were both a bit off the rails today, really. Oh shit, I missed. Unbelievable. Right, yes. Yeah, so um 
last podcast, Josh recommended us um, an album which was Couple called Lauren, Lauren Hill. Yes. And I listened to The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. So did I. Yeah, but that didn't really count because you listened to it anyway. I haven't listened to it in a while, so I put it on again, and I really like it, still. Yeah, I mean, it was alright. Um, is, is that the is that the the in depth conversation that we're having about Lauren Hill? Yeah, I, f- I feel like we we have a whole other channel dedicated to talking about albums. So I mean, we we do now we are now doing album reviews. That is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, although we're more doing album reaction slash mm. reviews. Yeah, we not just any proper reviews yet there's... because we're. Shit. There's definitely more reaction than reviewing, but it's quite fun. I'm trying to do review. I'm getting better at like reviewing as I'm listening. Mm. The more I do them, however, the one that I'm not, <laughs> one of the ones that I'm a bit shit at reviewing in, um, is Vaudeville Villain, which still hasn't gone up. Ooh. Oh, might have gone up by now. Yeah, probably will have yeah, gone up. Yeah, done. So I, because it was supposed to go out last week, but I delayed it to put up a different thing because I wanted to. Yeah, I think I think my review for Black Pumas, which will be out now on Joe's YouTube channel, is pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, I haven't I haven't watched it yet. So because you only told me about it half an hour ago. Yeah, well, definitely give it a watch, Jay. Because I mean, if you don't, then no one else will. Do you I know mean, what I mean, yeah, it's true. I something actually I did want to bring this up because something that was almost amusing to me in a in a sort of slightly sadistic way is seeing the the like dislike ratio on your after hours review. <laughs> All right, yeah, um, go which, on. Which, which now has a it has a couple of hundred views, so it's 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 got a surprising amount of views for an album that came out last year, mm. even though it's a, an incredibly popular album. But uh, <laughs> it's the only time a video we've ever published, even though we haven't published very many, has gotten dislikes. And the like-dislike ratio on it is 10 likes against 9 dislikes. Do you know what? I'm going to have to um, add something just to make the story even better. Is that I tipped the balance with the last like. You you added a like yourself, did you? I did add a like because to counter Dan Elston's like, he was very upset that I'd done an album review and not consulted him first. So Dan, out of pure malice and hatred, disliked it. Therefore, I had to like my own video. It was very humiliating. Um, Wait, why did Dan? Why was Dan Elston angry? Well, this apparently, um, I, I I had in the past said said no to album reviews. Um, I do not remember saying no to album reviews. However, I probably... I, I, no, I have no memory of it. However, it's very likely that Daniel said, you want to do album reviews. I said yes, and then none of us did anything about it. It's probably what happened. Was um, this around the time of Sessions from the Shed? Yeah, this was around... I think it was in the aftermath where we were feeling a bit nostalgic about posting stuff on YouTube and felt like we just had to put something out there before we, you know went into um fucking meltdown 
a completely disparate group of slightly useless individuals who like creating and uploading things, but are absolutely terrible at having a schedule for creating and uploading things. Yeah, there's never been any schedule behind anything that we've done, ever. <laughs> Whereas I'm very regimental about this sort of thing. Yeah. So I, I, once I start to decide to commit to do a thing, I put a schedule on there immediately. And I feel like I'm one of those people that if there's a schedule there, I'll, I'll do pretty good. I will, I will make the effort and I will, I like to be given the schedule. I like to see someone else doing the schedule before I then commit to it. Because if they're taking it seriously, then it means I can take it seriously. Because I feel like so often I've taken it seriously and they haven't. And I just like it the other way around now. I like to be dominated a bit, <clears throat> I suppose. You like to be dominated, do you? I like to be That's told right. I like to be told by Jay what he wants, when he wants it, and where he wants it, is what I like to be told. And once I know all that, I will deliver at my very best. No, I'm I'm I nearly made a joke and I'm not gonna do it anymore. I'm gonna we're we're gonna be bigger than that. <laughs> so I'm just gonna move on and I'm fiddling around with my pen still. Um, and it's no, no, not doing that joke either. <laughs> right. Well, look, I will save Jay from half making jokes by redirecting this conversation onto Josh's picks last week. What did we revisit any of Josh's other picks apart from Lauren Hill, which feels like a, a, an age ago? How long have we been trying to do this bit of conversation? <laughs> I swear I started explaining the, po- the the concept like eight minutes ago. Yeah, and then took took the rest of the eight minutes explaining it through multiple takes, and now we we're back where we started, really. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, so what we are um, talking about is I'm refreshing my own memory, not anyone else's. It's the fact that. Oh god, this is such a fucking shambles. <laughs> Who's editing I, I really like the miseducation of Lauren Hill, so I listened to it again this week. Yep. That means I get a point, and Seth, you did too, so you also get a point. So what's the fucking point? Yeah. Of, of all that, <laughs> apart from the fact that it's a good album. I yeah. also listened to Aretha Franklin. Okay, well done. You've won up to me. Did oh, did you not? No, I didn't. Oh. Well that's Lawful you, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm on two points already. Mm. Actually, do you know what I also did? Oh, don't tell me you've done something else. I also listened to Haydn's Symphony. No, you didn't. Well, admittedly, I put it on whilst I was editing, so I wasn't really paying attention to it, but my ears were hearing it, so I'm counting that at least as a half point. Did you? All, all the way through, all of it? Yeah, it's half an hour long, and I was editing for, like two hours so you when i said go away and listen to it i didn't actually mean go away and listen to it that's really annoying did you did you like it i couldn't really hear it to be honest for most of the time brilliant so i did listen to it so i'm on two and a half points so i've got some serious leg work leg work to do leg work leg work to do yeah um and so i mean did you anything else that you revisited? I mean, Josh, we, you left out. Um, I think it's two books, wasn't it? Yeah, Beloved and Malcolm X's um, autobiography. Neither of which I um, visited. No, me neither. Um, 
my options. Did you look at any of my choices? So your name, the artist, and cell one. All things I did not look at. I'm intrigued by cell one, to be honest. Um, your name, I've been, I've been, I've, it's been on my radar for for a few years since it came out. I've sort mm. of known about it, but I've never really felt the need to go and check it out. And the artist I've seen before, and I didn't like it that much, so I'm not going to go back again. Yeah, fair enough. And, and, uh, and it's not like I didn't understand the point of it the first time I watched it. So it's, it's it doesn't feel like something that's going to grow on me. That's a shame. Um, your your choices were Gladiator, which I didn't watch, um, although it's a great film. Um, Shakespeare in Love, which I didn't watch, even though it's an okay film, and... I'm at a bit of a loss. There were other things. Richard the Third. Richard the Third. No, I didn't read Richard the Third. And the favourite. And no, I didn't rewatch the favourite. I think the favourite's on Disney Plus at the moment, actually, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's part of the star section that they added about a month or two ago. It's pretty. They got some good stuff in that star section. I'll give them that. It's actually pretty good. They've got a half decent selection. Yeah. They are. They are kind of rubbish sometimes. At Letting you know that they have things on there. <laughs> yeah, you because sort of... um, I, I, I tried to watch Atlanta on there uh, a while ago because I knew it was on there. So I typed in Atlanta into the search bar, and it didn't come up. And I typed in Donald Glover into the search bar, and it didn't come up. So I, so I typed in Atlanta into Google, and then clicked on the Disney Plus icon next to it where it was streaming at, and it took me right there. Yeah, but. I think the issue with Disney Plus, the search bar, is that if you're looking for something Disney, it's absolutely fine. It works an absolute treat. It's whenever you're looking for anything that isn't Disney, that it then goes, hmm, are you sure you don't mean this Disney film that we released a while ago and no one cared about? Atlanta? Are you sure you're not talking about Atlantis, (laughs) Nat Geo documentary, (laughs) or maybe Atlantis, the journey into a thousand leagues under the sea or whatever the fuck? Yeah, that, that we released in 2002 and flopped. Yeah, rightly so. It's not great. Is it? I, I've see. I keep getting that film confused with um, uh, the spaceship pirate Treasure Treasure Planet. And, yeah, that mm. one. Yeah, because they've got very similar visual styles. Yeah, and they're sort. Of, they're both a bit steampunk. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, mm. that is something that like keep ringing bells to me about. Yeah, but it's never worked for them. No. Um, are we done? Yeah, I think we're done. Um, okay, thanks for listening to the podcast. <laughs> um, I'm quite hungry. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually knackered. Um, so it's good. But no, of course it's not. We've still got to do our options for this week, Jay. Or did oh, you forget? <laughs> oh, he's so funny. Um, shall I read you mine and you can just jot them down? That's not yeah, too tasking, is it? Right, here we go. Um, Okay, um, mine are going to throw you a bit, I think. Yay, I love to be thrown. Don't you just, right. um, The first one is... who's throwing me, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, first one is a book called Eichmann in Jerusalem by Hannah Ardent. Eichmann in Jerusalem. Yeah, as in Adolf Eichmann, the um, Nazi war criminal. How do you spell Eichmann? Um, E-I-C-H-M-A-N-N. The German way. 
E-I-C-H-M-A-N-N. Yeah, and you're going to need to spell that again because my second pick is The Eichmann Show, I, um, I hate which is a movie. Eichmann in where, sorry? So uh, Eichmann in Jerusalem is the book. I hate Anna. how you said this is not going to be taxing, and yet you threw me with the <laughs> first word. And the last. So you got in. I-N for in. So you got Eichmann. I, I know how to spell Jerusalem <laughs> and in. I don't know how to spell Eichmann because I'm not very up on my bloody Nazi generals. Yeah, and then just spell Hannah backwards and flip it. And then Ardent, and you'll be fine. Okay, I've heard of Hannah Ardent, I think. Yeah, she's very controversial. Um, oh, right, okay. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Second pick <laughs> is the Eichmann show. Right, is this also controversial? Um, I mean, Adolf Eichmann is obviously con- <laughs> controversial. Is the wrong I mean, word. He's, he's not particularly controversial. <laughs> he, he's pretty widely known as being a... Well, if people know who he is, yeah. he'll be widely known by those people as being a cunt. Yeah, if he's, if he's a Nazi, you'd hope he wasn't. Con- if ever you got into a dispute about um, Adolf Eichmann, you'd you'd hope that well, you'd just hope that that wouldn't happen, really. Um, so, the Eichmann show, yeah, you've got that. The movie, yeah, yeah, okay. okay. What year is that from? Um, oh, I can't give you the year. It was a couple of years ago. Um, okay, probably around twenty fifteen ish. Okay, right, great, thank you. Uh, next is this a a song by. The Axes of Awesome, and it's called How to Write a Love Song. Jesus Christ. Um, Axes of Awesome. Uh, we're going to be having a lot of Nazi conversations today, aren't we? Um, and my fourth pick is Seven Psychopaths, the <laughs> film by Martin McDonough. It's going to be some. There will be some heavy duty stuff at some point. So, um, apologies, Joe, for that if you're not feeling particularly inclined that way. I spelled psychopaths without the first H. That's annoying me. Oh, yeah, there are two H's. I'm going to rewrite it now. Oh, never. Hey, there's only two vowels in that whole word. That's a long word. It is. Yeah, that's true. But, um,. Yeah, I guess the S sort of, or the Y sort of doubles up as a vowel there. And then so mm. does, actually, that's it. That's nothing else. Yeah. I keep I keep hissing. I keep doing that. Well, just don't. Just don't do that. Yeah, I know. I'm trying not to. It's, okay. it's going to be horrible to listen back to. And I keep, my stomach keeps rumbling as well, so this is going to be an absolute... <laughs> Disaster to listen to. This isn't this going to be a smooth ride. The worst podcast we've ever done, <laughs> and we've been doing this for a whole year. Jay's hissing and Seth's stomach rumbles. It's going to be a good one, and, and Adolf Eichmann as well. Just bad conversations. Yes, about, yeah. and apparently about Nazis now. It's great. Mm-hmm. Love that. Okay, do you want to hear my picks? Yeah, go on. Lighten the mood a bit. So, we're going to lighten the mood immediately with a TV show. You dog. A rare choice. This is the second time we've picked a TV show in our entire run. Because you once picked an episode of Black Mirror. Did I? Fuck. Yeah, it was on the, I think it was on the episode with Solly. Picked an episode of Black Mirror? Yeah, sure. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have a memory, apparently. Yeah, you've got a bloody good memory. Mine just 
Shoddy. Yeah, go on. Okay, so we're going to lighten the mood from all the Nazi stuff with Mindhunter. I thought you were going to say Mindcamp. Fucking hell. <laughs> Mindhunter, yeah. Moana. Oh, lovely. That has lightened the mood slightly. Yes. So we've got Moana. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to bring it back down now with um, clipping. Um, well, specifically, let's talk about wriggle um, by clipping. Clip like a like a clip pin like or clipping. So, like clipping your toenails. Nail clipping, yeah. Clipping. What was the song? It's not a song, but it's a uh, an album called Wriggle. Like like a worm. Yeah. Brilliant. Never heard of that. Go on. Blonde by Frank Ocean. Ah, you said you were wanting to listen to some Frank Ocean, didn't you? Mm. How did you find it? I like it a lot. Oh, good. Right, well... I'm just, um, I'm just picking up my lip for some reason. I've had a little spot here, just on my lower lip, and it, yeah. I've been picking at it for the last few days, and it's been very irritating to me. Well, it'll be because you've been picking at it the last few days. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I need to stop, but I just don't. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Uh, whose whose link do you wanna do you wanna go through first? Do you wanna go through mine or yours? Um let's go through yours first. I'm quite interested by yours. Um so on the surface there's absolutely no link I can think of between Mindhunter and Moana. Um apart from they begin with the letter M. And Blonde by Frank Ocean. I don't know anything about Clipping by Wriggle. No, Wriggle by Clipping. I also know nothing about. Let, let's talk about the Clipping one because I'm at, completely in the dark on that. Okay, so um, so Wriggle is the latest release. It came out a couple of weeks ago, actually, um, mm. from hip-hop, experimental hip-hop. I think it's a trio. So I think you've got like two producers... And on the the vocals, or like the the MC, the frontman, is David Diggs. Who's that? Who plays Lafayette and <laughs> Jefferson in Hamilton. <laughs> oh, yeah, lovely. What? I think I know the odd one out. Okay. But go on. I know, let's, let's just go for it now. Shall we just go for it now? Yeah, go on. Um, Moana was partially songwritten by Lin-Manuel Miranda. It has something to do with How Far I'll Go and maybe one of the other songs. Okay. Um, from Hamilton. He plays Hamilton. Mindhunter. Jonathan Groff? Josh Groff? Jonathan Groff, yeah. Jonathan Groff, who plays King George the... Uh, he's a mad one, and he's King George III in Hamilton. And Riggle plays Lafayette in Hamilton. Okay, so is that the link you're going to go with? If you've if you've led me down the wrong track here, then I won't be very happy. And Blonde Frank Ocean, you know, yeah, bl- Blonde Frank Ocean, odd one out, Hamilton. <laughs> oh no! Oh, two weeks in a row, Jay. If I've got this right, have I got it right? 
Jay? Yeah, come on, surely. It's it's beyond coincidence, isn't it? Really? You really you you really think it's beyond coincidence? I do. Or if it's not the right link, I should be given a point for it anyway because it is a, a viable link. <laughs> yeah, go on. It uh, is the link. Brilliant, Jay. I'm so sorry, mate. Um, about mind. this happening two weeks in a row to you. Um, but I did need the points. Um, so you're I've, now four, and you're on two and a half. Yeah. Hmm. Exciting. Right. Well, look. Talk. Talk to me about Wriggle Trail a little bit more, because I still know nothing about it except it's got the guy from Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh. Right. Anyway. So, what were we talking about? So, yes. Good. Well, okay. I've just noticed some of my notes from some something else that... What the fuck is this? Is it like drunk notes like Cool Mandy in the morning and then like a half-scribbled number? No, it's just... Uh, no, I just noticed that it's the notes for, for some of the callers that we did on that stupid thing <laughs> that we did a few times. I just noticed... Oh, oh, what's this? Um... Pete, Tinder, date, stood him up, what? Um, <laughs> and then we got, um, wrong number, oh, kids on the Barbie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was funny, yeah. Yeah. Um, funny how that's resurfaced. Oh, what's resurfaced? Your notes on that. So just... I, I mean, it's been this, I've been writing things on this same page for the whole time, and I've only just noticed this. For the whole, what? What do you mean the whole time? The whole time since we did that? As it was, since we started the new the new theme, I've been writing all the things down on, on one like inside page, and then on the opposite page is this notes. How... And I've only just noticed it. How have you only filled up one page out of all the podcasts we've been doing? Your notes must be... Not, like... not all of them, but all of the revamps. Yeah, but still, I've, I've used up uh, lots, lots and lots of notes. Actually, I think it's only been like the last three weeks. So I've got... Uh, I'm trying to see how far back they go. Oh, no, it only goes back to um food. Okay, that's uh, two weeks, three weeks ago. Yeah. All right, that's understandable then. I was very... I was, thought you might have learned shorthand or something. No. Shorthand? Shorthand what? Just Is that not just a, a general shorthand? I don't know. I don't know. What were we talking about? Um, we're still trying to get to the bottom of Wriggle. Oh, we're t- still talking about um, Wriggle by clipping. Yeah. So it's their latest um, record, and it's I I've listened to it a few times, and it's it's very good. His um, David Diggs' delivery is very precise. Um, they're quite experimental, uh, quite like abrasive production sounds a lot of the time as well and it's they quite they they do sort of get a little bit of a horror vibe Ooh. to a lot of their um their records hmm. sure very I like interesting that. it's an acquired taste i would say um like if you if you are if you can gel with it within the first 20 minutes then you'll like the rest of it but otherwise 
um, maybe give it a miss. Yeah, I don't like those sort of horror shouting, high pitched screeching noises. Is that what we're talking about? Like lots sort of. of. Mm, yeah, I don't really like listening to stuff like that. It always puts well, it's meant to put you on edge. But why would you want to be put put on edge when you're listening to an album? I mean, when you're watching a film, it's different because like there's a sort of adrenaline thrill factor. Yeah. But not really with a with an album, I wouldn't say. Well, anyway, do you want to pick one from my list now to talk about, and we'll come back to yours? Yeah, sure. Let's. You know what? Let's talk about the axis of awesome. Oh, okay. I thought okay. Yeah, let's tackle that one first. Um, so axis of awesome are a comedy rock band. Um, we both like our comedy music, don't we, Jay? Yeah, bits and bobs. What's the one you like that I gave a listen to once? Archie Donna. Yeah, and another one. Okay. Um, but I do remember Archie Donna. Um, but yeah, so stuff like Flat the Concord is a big one for me. Uncle from the TV show Uncle, I quite like. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's a brilliant medium to produce comedy in. So why the hell not? So Acts of Awesome are like a three-piece um, rock outfit, and they're very funny. They write some very funny songs. They're famous for the four chord song, which sort of pokes fun at all pop music ever written. Um, and it's quite harrowing to watch and learn that all your favourite songs are just, just a four-chord trick, but there we go. Um, but yeah, so How You Write a Love Song is a, it's a very clever song because it cues in everything that it does in the song. But it's, it's similar to the four-chord song in that they're saying anyone can do it, anyone can write a love song, so they go. So it starts off with steel string guitar, and the steel string guitar comes in and plays this cheesy love song and then at the end you've got we're gonna modulate the key to show that we're singing passionately and then they modulate the key and they cue in all of these uh love song tropes as they go along and it sounds it's actually like a good song um which just shows that any anyone can write a love song and it, it it just takes you on the songwriting journey really well and it's very funny and it makes you question your own taste in music which similar to the four chord song in that way Oh, wow, that sounds very cool. I might give that a listen at some point. You should, it's very fun. Yeah, I mean, they, they sound they sound quite cool. If they're like, um, I do quite like Tim Minchin. Mm, yeah. I was reminded of just now and also the other day. Um, in that they, they lampoon very certain topics in a, in a very... Um, precise way. What does lampoon mean? Um, take the piss out of. Mainly. Ah. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Check it out. Check out the song. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, I, I, I will do actually. Um, how does right? Um, why are they called the Axis of Awesome? By the way, is that just a? <laughs> yeah, I've honestly no idea. Um, they, they are quite awesome. I guess, in like a cheesy way. Um, but no, I don't know. I think axes being like a play on axes, like when you guitar, your axe, is is a random guess. I've actually no idea. Okay, because it does sort of sound like the axes of evil. Do you know what? That is such a funny thing that you've picked up on. I'm not going to say whether you're on something or not, but that's, that's, that's 
some in there that, you know, well done for picking up on that. I can't spoil it, can I? I can't say, oh yeah, you're on the right lines, or oh, no, you're not. And all I'm going to say is well done. Right, so you, so the your first two links are about Eichmann, who was a Nazi, and then the 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 third one is a nod to the axis of evil, the Nazis. Yeah, I do get why you make that link. Is that that wasn't a guess, was it? No. Okay, good. No, I'm just you know throwing it out there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's how to write a love song. Shall I pick on one of yours now? Yeah, if you want to. Yes, I do. Um, Blonde by Frank Ocean. How was it? What was it like? Okay. Well, I've see over over the last like maybe year, I guess. I came I came to it and I went. You know what? I've heard a lot about this album. I'm going to give it a listen. I'm going to try to um, get in tune with it and see what it's like. So I put it on in the background, and after like two or three tracks, I turned it off because I didn't really. Because it didn't really gel with my ear, and the reason for that now is I realised that it's not background music. <laughs> right. Um, okay. It's very much an album that you have to listen to. Yeah. What? What? what why? I don't know why necessarily, but it it has to hit your ear when it's paying attention. And then it actually it really starts to cut deep, mm. and the and the way of his voice, a lot of the the lyrics, um, it's a weird thing to explain because it is just sort of an experience where you just sit in a corner and you listen, and then it just it just washes over you. Nah. I was talking to a friend of mine. Dan um, about it as well and he had pretty much the same thing where like he tried it and it it was it didn't work for him and then he put it on and just straight up listened to it and then he sent me another message going oh my god it's incredible I I get that Um, but is there an element of you are you not then like if you've tried it a couple times are you not into it and then you try it a third time and you, you you know, sit down, silent room, don't have any distractions. Are you not then, like, trying to force yourself to like it? Not, not necessarily. Because the... Because I think because it, it sort of builds, so you sort of... When you sit and listen to the first couple of tracks, they sit better because they bring you into the tone of what is to come better whereas if you're putting it on in the background you're not really paying enough attention to know what's happening Mm. so it doesn't fit right so you have to listen to know what to expect even though it's not really setting you up for things i don't know i don't know how to explain it but it's good yeah okay well do you know i probably will give that a listen i'm wondering whether to wait to do like a first reaction video to it because it's been on my radar for a bit as well. Yeah, I might, I might wait a bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's one, of, it's one of those weird things where like sometimes you just want to keep like your first listening experience as like a as like a personal thing. Sometimes. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. 
Because oh, I, 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 I feel that way about a couple of things sometimes. And you go, mm, I just want to listen to this for me. Yeah. But, um, yeah. May, well, hey, look, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, do you want to go into one of mine? Are yeah. we going to tackle the heavy shit or are we going to keep it light? Yeah, let's keep it light with seven psychopaths. Okay, good, because it's actually black comedy anyway, so you're fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> directed by, I don't know if I've, have I, have I talked about it before? Have you talked about Seven Psychopaths before? Yeah. Ah, uh, I don't know. We've definitely talked about Martin McDonough before. Yeah, it's one of my favourite um, director-writers. Good playwright as well. Mm. Pillow Man. Yeah, Pillow Man. Um, but yes, I, Seven Psychopaths is a film starring Colin Farrell from In Bruges. And Sam Rockwell as the sort of two leads. And you've also got Christopher Walken in there as well. Um, Was that, sorry? Christopher Walken. And Woody Harrelson. So you've got a great cast, really. Um, and it's about Colin Farrell, who is writing a screenplay for the movie that we're watching, basically. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of messy like that. Um, and Sam Rockwell in the film keeps trying to take over Colin Farrell's movie. He, um, so Colin Farrell's writing the screenplay about seven psychopaths. Um, and then Sam Rockwell has his own vision for it, even though he's not involved at all. And he starts putting out ads in the paper saying, if you're a psychopath, um, come to Colin Farrell's house because he wants to interview you and stuff like that. And Colin Farrell's like, what are you doing? You know, like you can't do that because he's Irish. Um, <laughs> and, then, you know, they interview these seven, well, more than seven psychopaths for Colin Farrell's um, screenplay. And basically Sam Rockwell wants the end scene to be like a full shootout, whereas Colin Farrell wants it to be like a really chill, mellow ending. Um, and what we get is we get the Sam Rockwell version towards the end. Um, we get a full shootout and it's very fun. It's, it's a good film. I found it a bit cheesy the first time I watched it as I feel like, Jay, you probably would as well. Um, it grows on you, I think. It definitely does. Sounds like adaptation. It does a bit, yeah. But yeah, no, I get the parallel with the screenplay that's actually the film you're watching sort of thing. But um, yeah, it's more subtle in Seven Psychopaths, for sure. I mean, I feel like you could actually miss it if you weren't paying attention the whole you know, this is what we're watching thing. I think he just uses it as a bit of narrative fun as opposed to like his whole source material like they do in adaptation, but yeah, it's a good okay. one. I... Yeah, I mean, I don't mind meta things, but I think sometimes similar with Deadpool as well, you can get a bit tired of it. Yeah, it can get bogged down in its own pretentiousness. If you if you don't if you don't get it from the right angle, you're gonna piss off like ninety percent of the audience. Yeah, I w I would say the ending makes it all pay off a bit. Okay. So um, it's a, it's an after credit scene, which is really annoying because I know that some people did actually. Tom Carey, being a famous example, completely fucking missed it because he's got the attention span of a mayfly. So, <laughs> I mean, he he missed it entirely. But wait for the post credit scene, and the payoff is really. Really nice, if belated. Right. I mean, it's a bit of a shame to have to wait for a post-credit scene to get a payoff. 
No, uh, well, it's sort it okay. It's more of the cherry on top, but it it makes it. If you're ever in doubt on like whether you liked the narrative tool of having a screenplay, that's a screenplay. The post credit scene will hopefully convince you that it was a good idea and lots of fun. Okay. I will I will check it out at some point. Good. It's been it's been one of those things that I've been thinking about watching for a while, but I never really get around to it. Because I don't know. It's a lot you of fun. Have, you I don't have think... to be in the right frame of mind for that sort of stuff. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, are we going to talk about the Eichmann show now? Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about the Eichmann show. Um, so this is basically a film, obviously, about the making of the first international documentary that was ever to be sort of mass produced and sent across all um, the countries. And it was a televised trial of Adolf Eichmann, who was one of the major Nazi war criminals. Um, his name sort of started becoming, you know, like people talk about the Holocaust and his name kept coming up as one of like the leading um, people who organize, who organized the uh, death camps. So they tracked him down in 1961, I think. So it was a, you know, he went into hiding for a good sort of 15 years until he was found. And when he was found, they brought him to Jerusalem and they brought him to trial in Jerusalem and pinned the whole Holocaust and basically um, put him on trial for six, the death of six million Jews, which seems, whether you think that's right or not, it's, you know, it's your own morality, but that's what they did. And they televised the trial. So this film is about... Um, the producer and the director trying to get this um, documentary televised um, and having to set everything up within three days. Um, and as they're watching the trial, the director becomes obsessed with Adolf Eichmann. Um, so they have lots of cameras around the courtroom capturing different moments and they've got one on the w witness box and they've got one on Adolf Eichmann. And the director spends far too long focusing on Eichmann because he's wanting him to react to something that's being said and he doesn't give anything. And the director is literally screaming at the screen, do something, because it's a horrible situation where they're losing their audience because Eichmann's not reacting to anything and it's all just falling completely flat. So they're, they're, what you've got to remember is it's a TV show as well as the fact that it's like a really horrible trial with lots of like harrowing witness statements it's also a tv show they need to sell it um so the director you know focuses on eichmann sort of do something why don't you react what kind of man are you um and he misses like loads of important stuff that's going on elsewhere and the producer gets really sick of him but it's yes <laughs> it's really fun i feel like they could have gone into the moral moral arguments and that obsession a bit more and that would have been more interesting because the more interesting bits of the film aren't spent on enough. And I feel like there's too much of the film spent on like, this is how we filmed it. And um, this is how we got permission to film in the courtroom. And this is how we do. But I suppose it is a film about the making of documentary. So sort of what to expect. But it would have been nice to go into those more juicy um, questions about morality a bit more. Yeah. Right. Wow. What, what, okay. do you th what do you think about putting one man on trial for 
the death of six million Jews. And then hanging him, obviously, because that's what they did. Symbolic, more than anything else. Show Yeah, I mean, that is sort of what it was, because they all went into it. Everyone went into that knowing what the verdict was. Yeah, he wasn't going to be found innocent, let's be honest. No. Man is not getting off. Even if if he had no connection to the Nazis at all. I mean, even if, if... I mean, it was the 60s. They wanted to charge someone for something. The fact that he did obviously do a lot of harm to a lot of fucking people and was mm. a piece of shit is a little bit by the by. Yeah. That there's the question of him being of the court being held in Jerusalem as well. Obviously the home of the Jewish nation. Um and being tried by Jewish judges who are obviously have an interest in seeing this guy hanged. I don't think there wasn't really the impartiality that should come with it. But I mean, like like you say, it was it was just making a statement. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they're they're not going into it, going we're gonna give this man a fair <laughs> trial and see see what see what happens, and we'll come to the right verdict. No, it's like. Fuck you, you fucking Nazi piece of shit. <laughs> we're going to document this, show it to everyone around the world, and then we're going to hang you. Fuck you. Yeah. Oh, my... Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was so... I think that the opening speech was just the prosecutor going on about um, the Jewish nation for about three days, and that lost all the viewers. And then when the witness statements came in, they took months to let all the witnesses from all the camps come up. It was... I mean, it was nice in that way that it provided a platform for the victims to speak and literally actually be listened to. Yeah. Um, and then there was one bit in the film that was the most powerful where the director is really pushing, you know, trying to get a reaction out of Eichmann. So they put on this really horrible um, sort of 10 minute documentary of the stuff that went on in the death camps. And it's like actual footage. And we have to sit through that as an audience of the Eichmann show as well. And they they just do it to try and get a reaction out of him, but he doesn't give. He doesn't crack. Well, what what did what did they fucking expect to happen? That they're, they're basically showing him footages of the things that he did in real life, You're making him relive what could potentially what he could potentially see as his proudest achievement. Mm. What's he going to fucking do? He's not going to perform for no. you. Yeah, it, He already knows he's dead. I think that's why, probably why, what why it is was. He, why is he going to try and make you smile anymore? Yeah. Do you, think, do you think, in a way... You know, sometimes we say stuff like, oh, it makes us as bad as them. Well, no. Do you think putting him... Well, we basically just executed him on TV for everyone to see without a fair trial. Yeah, I don't care. I mean, yeah, he's an artsy war criminal and he would have done some horrible stuff. Um, 
I, I feel like this is one of the one instance where I go, if you're going to treat human beings so lowly, fuck you. You get what's coming to you. And I mean, he didn't even get like a tenth of what was coming to him. So mm. you know what, fuck him. I don't care. Yeah. I suppose so. I suppose so. Anyway, it's on iPlayer at the moment. And it's a good film. It's got Martin Freeman in it, who's always fun. Oh, right. doing, doing an American accent, which is less fun, but he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, I mean, whilst whilst we're on a, a, a slightly tangential subject, shall we talk about Israel briefly? I thought it would, yeah, I thought it might be nice to. Well, it's not going to be... Not nice, but, I mean, we can't really... Yeah, we should probably address it. So, um, as I'm sure you're aware, if you've been watching the news at all, um, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict has erupted again, although not really so much of a conflict as um, the Israelis firing loads of missiles and dropping loads of bombs on the Palestinians and taking their land in Gaza. Yeah. I mean you can you can equate it to um to an ethnic cleansing. Mm. I think that's that's reasonably f- a fair comparison where you are you are literally getting a state sanctioned removal of an entire people. It's horrible. Yeah, it's really it's something that's slowly been happening since. Um, well, uh, the, the UK. World War. Yeah, since the UK and the US decided that the Israeli, the homeland for the Jews, should be in the Arab Palestine, and since then, there's been a slow. Slowly but surely, Israel has been expanding and engulfing what is left of Palestine and the Palestinian culture and taking the lives of the Palestinian Arabs. Obviously, it's there's always two sides to a conflict. Obviously, Palestinians retaliate, but predominantly, it's been the... I think if you look at the figures, there are far more... Palestinian fatalities than Israeli and you know there's very little Palestinian land left now from what was a whole country until yeah until what people what the news isn't recognizing you know rightly so is that you know it's it's complete it's well a lot of it is our fault uh, the UK's fault and the US's fault yes it it, it is it's a a lot of people say it's a very complex issue, which I suppose you could frame it in a way that makes it seem like a very complex issue. But from my perspective, it does not seem particularly complex in that we trace it back about 70, 75 years where we, we Britain and the US, designate a place an occupied place for people to live and apparently didn't really think about what would happen to the people already living there 
And not only that, then we continue to um, fund the Israeli army, provide them with arms. Um, Fucking we, double down. Yeah. Fuck up. We had a pro-Israeli policy until hopefully now, like, you'd hope this would be a turning point, but it's probably far too late in the day for that. I mean, it's it's just a matter of it's... Yeah, we just... I haven't seen any... I mean, there's been some great posts on social media and some great um, sort of resources that are raising awareness of the issue. And there is lots of Palestinian um, charities and funds that you can donate to and Mm -hmm. um, support. Um, We should probably put a link for one in this video. Yeah, we'll put a couple of links. Yeah. Um, So please do that. Um, And if you're not clued up on the issue, um, I'd get clued up on it. Because it's yeah. important. We'll um we'll link to a couple of articles as well. Yeah. Um. I. I don't really know what to what to what to say on it, because it seems, fa- like a fairly one dimensional thing, from from my liberal perspective, I guess, in that. I mean, yeah, it's just it's just a crock of shit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's horrible, and we it's like in my head, all of this was behind us. In my head, the invasion of Iraq was two thousand and three, and I was two years old, so I don't care. Maybe or it's it doesn't affect me, but this is probably one of the first things where it's come to my attention that we we're not like beyond this anymore like none of the conflicts have been resolved that we think we've resolved um we have this god complex the uk of going in and trying to make things better and fucking them up even more and we're very terrible at tying loose ends yeah something that real often strikes me about nigel farage in his um some of his Black Lives Matter con- comments is he talks about he seems very aggrieved about the fact that people that we are giving voice that we are trying to give more voice to minorities and putting them in positions where they can affect the landscape of Britain um, because of how we affect because of you know decades of slavery. And the thing he always seems to come back to is, you talk about this in the UK, yada yada, you hate the UK. Um, But this was going on all throughout Europe, and the UK was one of the first places to outlaw slavery, who actively went out and tried to prevent slavery from being carried out by other nations, as if that means that the echoes of slavery don't still exist in the UK. Mm. He, he tries to like divert attention as like, well, we can't be the worst ones because we realised we were doing something bad before other people. Like it's the the we the bad thing hasn't gone away. Stop pretending that it's not here anymore. Stop pretending like we can't just sit back 
pretending like it's a we're living in a fucking meritocracy suddenly. Do you know what? That's I think you've hit it on the head. That's exactly what the UK, Britain has been doing with the Israeli-Palestinian issue for the past 20 years. Um, they've just said, they've just ignored it. Do you know what I mean? They've said, oh, that's that's all in the past. It's all fine now. You know, we, we've made amends. It's all sorted. We sorted it out. Don't worry. Don't fret about it. Like we took down the Berlin Wall and suddenly, yay! <laughs> we did it. We fixed Germany. Yeah. We 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 fix the USSR. They're not a worry anymore. Don't fi- nuclear weapons. Shut up. Trident. No. Shut up. We, we don't need to talk about it anymore. The Berlin Wall's come down. Yeah. Hooray. Yeah. Yeah. Just please please don't think that. Or even there's this tendency for. I mean, me especially. Until about three years ago, I thought slavery. Oh yeah. US were awful at that, weren't they? Blimey. The US. Oh god. Slavery. Oh no. Colonization, yeah, from the US, but please, Britain aren't aren't above any of these issues. We are the US inherited <laughs> it from us. Yeah, and, and just... in part from from I think Spain and France but, a lot. But those are yeah, those are the three main sources. Yeah, um, so it's it's not all under make believe. Okay, Britain are um, pretty terrible when it comes to all that sort of stuff. So yeah. There's some resources. Check it out. It's we, as, a, as a country, we seem very conscious of the fact that we have loose ends to tie up, <laughs> and then we think we've tied them up, but we've just we've just still got like three other loose ends around. Yeah. we we tie the loose ends up with like a really terrible knot that will never hold. It's and... so it's so loose that it un, that it unravels almost immediately. Yeah, and then the rope gets strained even more from the unraveling. Do you know what I mean? It's it's we represent these issues as temporary, which means we don't have to talk about them for too long because we can represent their solutions as temporary, but they're not. This is going to go on for a bloody long time. Yeah, and I think it is worth pointing out, um, as as well on top of that, in relation to um, what is going on in Israel and Palestine over. The last weekend, the most recent weekend in London, um, things on like um, Finch- Finchley Road, people were driving down Finchley Road uh, with Free Palestine activists, also screaming pure anti-Semitism mm. in the most disgusting way. Like it's. It's weirdly easy for people to show their hand so so quickly. Like you don't really care about the the atrocities that are actually happening. You just want an excuse to scream about how much you hate Jewish people. Mm. Yeah. So you need to be aware of that. You need to call it out where you see it as well. Yeah, if you hate the Israeli state, you know, you can be anti-Zionism, that's fine. Um, but don't make this into an issue where you're, you're blaming, you know, a whole race, a whole religion for the issues of one country. Because then it, the issue's not with that country, it's with you. Because why aren't you finding these issues 
elsewhere around the globe where they are happening. Yeah. Um, well, well, I see a lot of it's it like it's actually very easy to be critical of the Israeli government without being anti-Semitic. So the yeah. people who are being anti-Semitic, you're not you're not really hiding anything. Yeah. You're showing your cards so fucking plainly. <laughs> mm. Like sit down, shut up. Yeah. Because you're you're watering down a narrative that actually needs to to stop. Yeah, and, and actually have a conversation. A, a good narrative that's come to the forefront now, just finally, is that um, it's actually not a religious issue, the conflict, predominantly. Um, it's not about religion, really. No. Um, if you look into the history of it, I mean, that's like a a small factor of a much bigger picture. So it's it's not about religious divide, anything like that, because as all these sources point out, you know, Arabs, Jews, Christians, all living happily in the Middle East until we got involved. So it's not about religion. It's about um, basically imperialism and, and you know, uh, like you say, Jay, ethnic cleansing is, is sort of what is happening at the moment in yep. Israel and Palestine. Oh, dear. So whilst we're on the downer, shall we just... Um, are we talking about Eichmann in Jerusalem now? Let's talk about Eichmann, Eichmann in Jerusalem, yeah. yeah. So this is a book written by Hannah Arden, and the the tagline for it is um, The Banality of Evil. Um, she argues that Adolf Eichmann is all of us. He is any one of us. Um, any one of us could have become what he became. There's nothing special about him. He's He's not evil incarnate. He is just an average guy um, who <laughs> fucking fell in with the wrong crowd is the wrong phrase, but who um, who went off you know off the rails entirely and she takes this I've read I read the book last year or I think I read most of it I skipped a couple of chapters because it's not one that you really read cover to cover unless there's stuff in that specific chapter that you need to learn. Um, but she's got this sarcastic um, cynical tone throughout the book, which really doesn't carry well when she's talking about these issues. Um, yeah. She says stuff like um, one of the points that she makes is that um, the best thing Hitler did was to wipe out anti-Semitism. Um, I mean, she portrays him... Well, the, her point there being that um, since the Holocaust... Um, there's been this acceptance that anti-Semitism is wrong um, because of Hitler. And she she takes this really like tongue-in-cheek tone throughout the book, making comments like that and saying, like, don't have a go at Adolf because he's boring, he's just a man, he's just a average guy, could be any of us. Um, yeah, maybe overly sympathetic towards the war criminals and um, overly critical of um, the Jews is something that she, she, yeah, she gets a lot of stick for it. She's quite a controversial figure. It's a controversial book, um, but it, uh, it's a, it's a different perspective, you know. I understand the concept in there about um, you know evil people are not necessarily born evil 
quite often you're made you're like you're like formed throughout your life throughout your experiences into that that way like that is yeah that is a thing but that tone doesn't sound very conducive to a healthy narrative no yeah absolutely it it it, it just doesn't it's it's slightly unsuitable for such for the topic which is basically the holocaust which she's talking about to take a sarcastic tone with something like that yeah well when writing about it it would need to be done with like tact and with like you know some degree of like basic not respect's a bit harsh because she is respectful but it, it, no just just drop the drop the sarcastic um Treat it with the gravity with which it exists. Yes, thank you, Jay. That's whereas when you when you take when you take a sarcastic approach, you tend to undercut the severity of something. Yeah, it trivialises. So if you're you're being sarcastic about the Holocaust, it would it could come across like you're undercutting quite the gravity of that as a horror. Mm. However, the, the point that like. Hitler eradicated anti-Semitism or, or whatever. Yeah. Obviously, like, I don't know the context in which that appears, or I haven't read the book and stuff. Mm. But that's not the case at yeah. all. I mean, from literally what we were just talking about, from what you were saying about the um, anti-Semitic people driving through London shouting anti-Semitic things, we know that's not the case. But her basic point was that um, in making it seem so horrible and doing such horrible things in the name of anti-Semitism, um, no one will be anti-Semitic again. Because it's but so the, unpopular. But this, this seems like an oversight in that argument as well, because Hitler was also racist and homophobic and transphobic, and those things didn't go out of fashion at all. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Well, I suppose they're not brought to the forefront as much as the um, anti-Semitism stuff is. Sure, yeah. Like, the um, the ethnic cleansing in terms of the, the Jewish people was a, was a more of a, a strong push of Hitler. But he also was was quite happy to never see a black person again in his life never never see another gay person never mm. never see another another transgender person or another gyps or a romani people I'm sorry that's all right i think it's that's um I don't know what product of my yeah. so that um yeah sorry for the slip of the tongue but you know that it doesn't it doesn't sound like a, a healthy or helpful way of tackling such a subject. Mm, yeah, it's it's interesting though that we're always taught the figure six million Jews mm. is the figure that we all know, and I can't remember the figure of the other ones. Which is the point I'm making is that there were a bunch of other ethnic minorities that you know, were killed in these death camps. 
like I feel like it's more than six million. It's something like eight million. I, I'm not going to try guess, but there were more ethnic minorities killed than just the Jews. But they are sidelined in the sort of Holocaust history, almost. Yeah. I think. Um, but I think maybe because I don't know. Like I feel like there's a way of framing another point here but i don't know how to how to get get around it necessarily so let's talk about the issue of uh racism in relation to the holocaust right so the jewish people are a not a a, a race of of people but a, a minority group mm. let's say but there is a like the Venn diagram. You have, you know, white Jews, black Jews, yada yada yada. You, from Jewish people of all races, mm. right? So, in a in a world where I think it's not necessarily um, unfair to say it was more based on the color of your skin potentially then the race that you practice than the religion that you practiced is um maybe in more of a uk terms let's say um i may be wrong so but jewish people seem less sidelined in sort of british or american society than black people who was still at that time treated as lesser. So when you go to document the figures, you place more weight on the people who could easily look like you. Mm. And you have a more majority white Jewish people who are being murdered. So you place more weight on that over, say, Romani people or black people, or in terms of gay people as well, and transgender people who weren't even recognised illegally in the UK and America at the time. You know, being gay wasn't allowed in the law until the 60s. So you're going to put less weight on that when you document the figures. Yeah, I think that makes sense coming from like a Western narrative of the Holocaust in that we put more weight and we teach about the 6 million Jews that were killed in the death camps in the Holocaust because um, possibly from the West, you know, Britain, you know, being, you know, a predominantly um, sort of a country ran by sort of white upper class, you know, men, they can see themselves, yeah, they can identify with the Jews that were killed in the Holocaust more than they can with, say, the uh, black individuals or the Asian individuals or other minority ethnic groups, possibly. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard um, perspective to frame um, <laughs> well, cautiously, I feel like. Yeah. Because I don't want to, I don't want to say something that's gonna be 
offensive to any anyone involved in in any of those spheres at all. But I still feel like there's a there's a point to be made. Yeah, it's a very thin thread, though. I yeah, think, like yeah, you got to be careful with it. Anyway, that's Eichmann in Jerusalem. That's a Hannah Arden on Eichmann. It's, it's kind of a seminal work. It's um, you know very um, renowned for being. When did it come out? I think shortly after the trial, so I feel like it was um, mid sixties, mid to late twentieth century, somewhere. Okay. Right. Okay, now it's been a heavy episode. It really has. My link is hidden under so much more important stuff that I I doubt you're gonna. Well, I mean, the Eichmann show, the Axes of Awesome, and Seven Psychopaths are all about the making of a making of a thing. Brilliant. Yeah, that's true. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah, so Eichmann and Jerusalem, the odd one out. Yeah. Yes, you are correct. Eichmann's show about the making of a documentary, how to write a love song about the making of a love song, film psychopaths about the making of a film. Well done. How long have you been on that um, on that path? On what path? What, that thinking? The correct path, yeah. Oh, since you, since you started talking about the Eichmann show. Oh, good. Okay. Nice. So, well, not so nice for me because you've got three points now as well, which takes your total up to five, five and, and a half. half. Yeah, it does. Um, your other ones, shall we quickly whip through them? We've got Moana, which is just great. Yeah, I mean, we're already on a downer, so let's not, let's not muddy the waters and try to talk about something happy. Yeah, okay, fine. And um... <laughs> <laughs> that, That's how I'm feeling on that. Yeah, Generally, and it's been a long it's, one. It's so a good, it's a feel-good film. We're not in a feel-good mood. Let's let's not bother. Yeah, and Mindhunter as well, which is obviously the Netflix show. Which it, uh, yes, I mean I we can talk about Mindhunter a little bit if you like. It's going to be you know dark in different ways. Yeah, I still need to finish it, but it's uh, basically just a show about psychopaths. Well, no. You said not psychopathic. It's about the coinage of the term serial killer. Right. Okay. So the FBI at the. Is it the FBI or the CIA? I always forget. I never know the difference. I don't know. I, don't, uh, I... I think it. I think there'll be FBI. I'm going to go with FBI. Okay. Um. So yeah, they were studying serial killers, coining the term. So one of the people that they spoke to first in the show and i think possibly in real life as well is um somebody whose name i've forgotten i think it's ed something is he the big fat man yeah Mm, can't remember his name um i my brain is almost saying ed gein but ed gein is different and uh, fucked up in a different way. Do you? You're making a face like you don't know who Ed Gein is. No, I don't know who Ed Gein is. Um, so he, I think I don't know if he technically falls into the category of serial killer. I think serial killer needs like four or more, and Ed Gein killed three. Mm, okay. I think I think is my my knowledge, but if I'm wrong. Um, 
then, you know, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he would kill and skin people and make furniture and sort of outfits from skin. And I think he was a cannibal as well. Ooh, yes. Well, um, he he was um, underlying inspiration for a Buffalo Bill in yes. uh, Science of the Lambs. Just thinking that actually, yeah. Have Makes you um, uh, do I want to talk about this? <laughs> what? God, so fucking depressing. Do we talk about um the transphobia that relates to Science of the Lambs? Or not? I'll be honest, I've only seen the first hour of Silence of the Lambs. I haven't actually finished it, I haven't seen the whole film. Um, I haven't seen the whole film, but I've watched numerous numerous videos describing how Silence of the Lambs has an influence on uh, transgender perceptions Ooh. in society, and they are obviously negative. Because oh. So no, po- there are almost no positive representations of uh, transgender people until the last like five, ten years. Funny, I don't remember that at all. But on a, you know, on some positive representations of transphobic people, which are very hard to come by, um, but I did come by them in the Sandman, a game of you. Game of You. Um, so that's... Is that the one with Barbie? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Her best friend was... Um, was transgender. And this was... When was this? 90s? Late 90s? Early noughties? This would have been... Yeah, something like... Um, we started writing them in 1989. Finished in 98. So it probably would have been about 1993. Don't I well, that was just like insanely. It shouldn't have been, but I don't think I've actually come across a transgender character in literature before a couple of days ago reading Sandman. And it was just it was handled really well, and it just made me think: why haven't? Why is this the first time I've come across a character who's transgender? Yeah, I I hadn't even noticed. Uh, well, I probably did whilst I was reading it, but sort of didn't pay it much heed, because Neil Gaiman he ten he has a tendency to treat all his his characters with a lot of you know respect and compassion. Mm. I think it I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I never really noticed. Am I? Am I right in thinking that 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 character was also a lesbian, or am I wrong? Um, there were two. Well, it's all based in like a in like a flat. So there were two other lesbians living in another room. Um, one of them was pregnant, and the other one was really yes. nice about it, and it was really touching. And I, yeah, I think I I think my brain just merged some characters together. Yeah. Um. Oh. Yes, no, I think I remember now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was 
So you've got Barbie, who's from one of the earlier storylines, and her next door neighbour is transgender. Is that is that? Yeah, am, am I right thinking that? And then the upstairs as the lesbian couple. Yeah, and the witch and the oh, yeah, evil and the guy. Witch. That's a that's a very powerful storyline actually. Yeah. So clever. Yeah. I I really like that. Yeah, I think we're I don't really know what to talk about now. No, because we're, we're sort good. of we're sort of done talking about all the heavy stuff. I yeah. think. Oh bloody hell. I mean we could I'd say we, I mean, it's been a heavy week, to be honest, so I think it's kind of fitting. We've been going for about an hour and a half now. Yeah, so... So, um, if you've made it to the end, well done. <laughs> we, yeah. We've got some links in the description um, for the situation in Palestine and Israel. <sighs> Bloody hell. I just, yeah, it's been just been a heavy week, I think. Um, yeah, I feel like calling it a day. <laughs> so do I. Look after yourselves, everyone. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Safe. Yeah, thanks for doing that. Be be compassionate. You know, use nuance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. All right. All right, folks. Bye.